The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey gang, what's going on? Kevin Goatee gutting the sacred cow. Here we are, brand new week, brand new episode. Can you believe our guest today, Don Jameson? Remember him from that metal show? He has the balls to do Die Hard, a classic American film. Before we get to it, GTSE Podcast on Twitter, guttingthesacredcow.com every day. And we can't thank you enough and love you for your support that you've shown us. Oh, and if you want to if you want to advertise with us or help us build your brand, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. And start a conversation. We'd love to help you sell your products. Without any more ado, let's hear Don Jameson try, try to take down Die Hard. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. What's your prediction for the fight? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Kevin Israel, name that film. Bloodsport. You know, I talked to my brother just yesterday, and he said, <laughs> your co-host really does not know a lot of the main stuff. He's very disappointed in you. Don, Don Jameson is our guest. Don, do you know what film that is from? Um, is it Dumb and Dumber? No, it is not. It is Rocky Three, where he talks to Mr. T. What's your prediction for the fight? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel off to a roaring start. Here we are, kids, gutting the sacred cow. A new week. How is everybody doing? What's going on? Kevin, buddy, it's been a little bit. How you been? What's new and exciting? I know. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? No, uh, no complaints. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, looking forward to... The vaccine kicking in for all the thousands and thousands of people so we can get back to some fucking comedy. Yeah, man. It's been it's been a barren desert island. Our guest was just complaining to me on off the air about comedy being so blah right now. And that is from one of our favorite shows back today, that metal show with Don Jameson. Don, how you doing, pal? What's going on? Doing all right. I'm, I'm taking this time uh, while we're not gigging as much to uh, grow, apparently grow a guitar neck out of the side of my head. So uh, <laughs> it looks good on you. Yeah, it's coming in nice, right? Yeah, I was, I was going to say, is that one of the side effects from the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine? 
Yeah, this is uh, I mixed them. That was the problem. I I dipped the, the Pfizer into the Moderna and two days later I had this. But uh, I did. It did come with three lessons. So I'm all set. <laughs> Were you playing that? May I help you riff a guitar center? And that's what happened. <laughs> Well, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Don Jameson, folks, let me tell you something. We've talked on this podcast a lot about some of the most bulletproof films The Matrix, Shawshank Redemption, Goodfellas. Don Jameson has, t- has selected one from that mantle that made me clutch my pearls and go, oh my. Wow. Don has chosen the 1998 mega hit, mega classic, and mega Christmas movie, Die Hard. 1988. I said 88. Yeah. You said 98. Oh, I did? I'm sorry. I thought I said 88. Yeah. Better grab your hairy pearls again. (laughs) (laughs) A budget in 1988 of 28 million, a gross of 140 million. 2021 dollars. $63.2 $63.2 million budget, $316 million haul. Pretty damn good. And, of course, spawned one or two good sequels and a bunch of terrible ones. But more importantly, let's find out what the folks and critics saw. IMDb, as we all know, is a scale 1 through 10 with decimal points. Don, what did Die Hard get on the old IMDb scale? I didn't look it up. Was that that's, good. that's my that's my job. It's your job to guess. Oh, uh, what did it get on IMDb? All right. Um, well, it's a it, it's a popular film. I mean, I'll give it that. Doesn't mean it's good. So I would say it'll be it'll be pretty high. I'd say at least a seven. Seven flat. Kevin Israel. I'm gonna say an eight four. Seven four. Wow. Much lower than I thought. Wow, me too, clearly. That's my height also, <laughs> coincidentally. You can be the next Bigfoot on the Howard Stern show. They're looking for one. <laughs> yeah. Critics, Rotten Tomatoes scorer. As we know, Rotten Tomatoes is a one through 100 percentage-based score. Kevin Israel, what did the critics give Die Hard? 78. Don. I'm going to go a little lower on that one. Uh, I'm going to get 67. 94. Ah. Like I said, 94. Wow, that's really high. <laughs> Don, give me the audience score for Die Hard. Okay. that See, that I would have thought maybe in the 90s, but I'll go uh, um, 85. Kevin. No, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back into the 90s. 93. 94 again. Ah, so close. Wow, this is this is like the, the, the perfect movie, 94 and 94. Which is why it made our bulletproof list. Quotes, get where you're going and make fists with your toes. Uh, that is something I would never do, especially in some jizz-filled hotel carpet. Thank you very much. Never would do that. Of course, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. As Bruce Willis has mentioned, that was a throwaway line to crack up the crew, not in the script. It's a throwaway movie, so. (laughs) Welcome to the party, pal. Often quoted by yours truly. Who are you mad at? The Heebs, the Camel Jockeys? This sounds like if Gino Bisconti started his own punk band. (laughs) And of course, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, 
Ho. Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. A monkey in the wrench, the pain in the ass. Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. And one I found that was off the beaten path that made me laugh out loud. I hope that's not a hostage. Kevin Israel, what quotes do you have that I left? Just quoted the whole movie, so how could I have any left? I mean, you took them all. Mm. I thought I was pretty thorough on that one. I'm sorry. Don, any quotes jump out at you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The best, the best line in the movie sums up exactly everything about it that's, that's terrible. Which is when the when the when the um when that sergeant no the detective what was it the uh the L A deputy director know, the, Dwayne Robinson yeah yeah like that cliche deputy director that you know he plays in every movie um, when he says he yells at the other cop he goes you don't even, you don't know who's up he, he could be a bartender that's the best line of the yeah. film because. That's exactly what Bruce Willis is. Exactly. He's a bartender who got a lucky break. That's it. He's not an actor. <laughs> wow. He's a bartender. That's it. He's Listen. he's he's not he's not famous because he's an actor. He's famous because he's a celebrity. Because gonna, he married Demi Moore. He's jumping behind the bar at clubs in New York City. He's got a band. He's in the in the tabloids every day. He's he's not an actor. He's a poor man's. Tom Cruise without the Scientology and the questionable sexual preferences. Was he a bartender? Was it Studio 54 or the China Club? Which one was it? I forgot. In the great words of Otto and George, who gives a shit? <laughs> you forgot those Seagram commercials where he sang. So that's also oh, yes. on his, his resume. Five fun facts. Boy, oh boy, guys. I can't wait for you to at least take one guess a piece to try and figure out who was approached to be in this film because Bruce Willis was not the first choice. Take a guess. Take a guess on who was approached to do this film. Wasn't Arnold? Not on my list, but no, I don't I don't think so. Not on the list I have. Don, give me a guess. I gotta go cruise. It's a it's a, it's a total Tom Cruise vehicle. Not on my say. not on the list. Here is a, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the two that are like holy shit at the very end. But Richard Gere was approached, as was De Niro, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds, Richard Dean Anderson. Clint Eastwood bought the rights to the book. Yes, there was a book, and yes, it was fucking terrible. I read it. But the role was first offered to, are you fucking ready for this? Frank Sinatra. Oh, I had heard that. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that a long time ago, though, though, before the movie was made? I believe it was. It didn't specify when it was offered to him, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was Sinatra 88. Yeah, Sinatra 88 would be moving around <laughs> with a walker with tennis balls on the bottom. Sinatra 88 would be like Harrison Ford doing Indiana Jones movie now. Oh, Which wait. he is. <laughs> the, the surprised look on Hans Gruber's face as he falls is genuine because the stuntman told Rickman that they would drop him on three, one, two, three, but they dropped him on one instead <laughs> to get the genuine reactions. Want to take a stab and guess how much money was spent on glass for this film? 
a lot of glass in this movie. A lot of glass. Give me a number. If, it, if it's real, though. Some was real because it had him wearing. He had. He wore fake. He wore prosthetic feet. So he, he, said, it a, he said it was a twenty million dollar budget. So I'm going to guess two hundred thousand. Don, you got to guess. Um, half a mil. One hundred thirty thousand dollars on glass. Bonkers, right? Foreign titles have translated this film different ways. Germany, die slowly. Norway, action skyscraper. Greece, <laughs> very hard to die. Hungary, give your life expensive. And, of course, everyone's favorite punching bag, the Polish, the glass trap. <laughs> that's actually pretty – that's a good <laughs> synopsis of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a period piece. hey I want to, I, I'd love for you to guess, but there's no way you're going to get it. Alan Rickman was not the first choice. This was actually Alan Rickman's film debut. Yeah. Sam Neill was, was originally approached to play Hans Gruber. One of the funny things that, that Rickman, although being a great actor, he could not stop flinching when he fired a gun and they had to cut away every single time he fired a gun immediately after because you see him visibly flinch. Don Jameson, you are already quite salty about this treasure of a film, and I can't wait to hear you. And Kevin Israel can't wait to hear you, too. Gut. The, the sacred, sacred cow. cow. Well, Hans Gruber should have took that gun and shot the director, because uh, this, this is a complete travesty from beginning to end. There's, there's, there's nothing redeemable about this film at all. The acting is 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 ridiculous. Um, the every premise in the, is a cliche, and there's and and the worst part about it is the fact that all these years later, you got to see every fucking Christmas on Twitter. Oh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. Fucking nerds! <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. It's just a it's just an awful waste of twenty eight million dollars. Oof. What else gets your nuts in a knot about this film? Oh, we want to go from beginning to end. I yeah, mean, this, yeah. You have as much time as you want to go for it. As much gusto as you want with this. I mean, every, I mean, let, okay. Let's just go through it and get through as much as we can. I, even just even just the Christmas party was a cliche. Uh, the guy doing coke in the office, who was that guy was an atrocious actor, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, just nothing believable about that guy. And then he's even more horrible later when he's the negotiator <laughs> with Hans in that scene. Hey, but yeah, like if if people were dying around you and guys had machine guns to your head, you'd be so calm and cool. Oh, I know how to deal with this guy. Oh, come on, it's it, that acting was so fucking bad. It was painful. Um, you know, people hooking up at the Christmas party. It was all the dumb cliches of that. Um, you know, I love how the, the terrorists come in, and this is a common theme through the whole movie. Terrorists come in, they know every inch of the building. They know every nook and cranny before they even walk in the door. And somehow John McClane, who was never in that building in his whole life, 
Once he goes into action, he knows he's crawling through duct work. He knows that he knows if I go through this fan where I'll get to, if I break this door down, I can ride the cables on this elevator and nothing bad will happen to me. Come on. <laughs> That's you, bullshit walking around. He know, and you know the minute the terrorists come in, you know that he's gonna He's going to save the day. I mean, that's so obvious. You know he's going to save the day with, like, a toothpick and a white tank top and patchy chest hair. <laughs> I've done a lot of things when I watch films, but scoping out Bruce Willis's chest hair has never been on my high list of things to do. But now it is on my list of things to do. It is front He could have shaved that. He had, yeah, his, his chest hair had a little afro on it. He could have, you know, he could have shaved down a little bit. You know, and the whole the whole through line of the cigarettes. It's like, dude, you wouldn't be just sitting back smoking, like talking on the walkie talkie, which, by the way, let's talk about those walkie talkies that that whoever he wants to call on them, they'll reach somehow magically. If he just changes the number, he could contact the police. He could contact his gut friend, Al. Uh, who he had a bromance with halfway through the film. He could talk to the terrorists, but they can only hear when he's talking to them. If he's talking to somebody else, somehow they don't hear it. I don't know how that happens, but hey, I guess you're supposed to suspend belief the same way you're supposed to suspend belief that a limo driver would sit down, stares for hours on end, waiting for somebody he met for three minutes to whether he's going to score with his wife or not. Ridiculous. That is a good point about Argyle jamming the basement. Most of these guys are like, yeah, you should just throw him 100, go, yeah, keep the meter running. I'll be back in 20 minutes. But, yeah, he just – you're right. right. Got nothing else going on. My first day in the job. It's, you know, and it was – right. It's his first yeah, day. Yeah. Might as well make, might as well make like a good impression, not make any other pickups. But, yeah, I'm going to hang in this garage and just jam out with a teddy bear in the backseat. Right, yeah. And, and, like, he wouldn't have heard machine guns firing or any of that stuff. And then driven out of, you know, or at least left there at some point. But of course, the terrorists knew that there's gates that come down in certain places. So they know how to trap everybody in or keep people out, you know, because that's, you know, that seems logical that they would know every nook and cranny of the building, every piece of machinery. They know instantly how to go in and start cutting certain wires and doing stuff like that and taking chainsaws to things. That all makes sense. Don, they're German. They prepared for the fuck out of this moment. They have blueprints. They have fucking rocket <laughs> for a goddamn heist job. You know they're prepared. My people are fucking prepared. They're more prepared than the goddamn Boy Scouts are. So I will let that slide. Well, I, listen, German precision is well documented. So, um, I, you know, but, but let's face it. It's like even that missile launcher, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're going to have that because they know a giant tank's going to co yeah. start coming through the building. And then, oh, they, oh, okay, get that other thing that we have in case a tank comes at us. Uh, it, come on. That was funny. I cracked it. It's silly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really a glorified uh, LMN movie. It really is with just a bigger budget for glass. Oh. Let's go for the acting. All right. Bruce Willis, I'm sorry, he's just, he's not an actor. He's a frat boy. All right. And that's what he plays. And he's, and what's, and it's all that dialogue where he's trying, he's talking to himself and he's cracking those awful jokes, which are terrible. It's just fucking crickets. Who's driving that car? Stevie Wonder? I mean, it, it, you don't, when you can actually act, you don't need the, the, the script writer to put 
the obvious like stuff, you know, that you have to say out loud. You should just be able to show it like, you know, non-verbally, but he can't. So they have to script these lines where he's talking to himself because, you know, we all walk around doing that. Um, have, you not been, have you not been in the subways in the last 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going in the subway. Unless, unless John McClane comes with me, I'm not going in the subways. But he's a cop, though, like sh- telling shitty jokes. That's what cops do. So that's Oh, I got you. That's kind of in character, I think. I think, but. Yeah, it was, but they could have been better jokes. And, and it's just funny, like, whenever, it's funny, whenever, whenever there's, a, like, the slightest noise, like, they know where he is in the building all of a sudden. Okay, get to the roof. Like, like he, he brushed up against a door, and they're going, get to the roof. But meanwhile, when he's on the walkie-talkie talking for a half hour, they have no idea where he is. It's like the monsters from uh, the Quiet League. <laughs> yes, they, they exactly. use sonar and track him down in a heartbeat. <laughs> exactly. And listen, you you tell me nobody in Los Angeles, especially in that part of LA, it's right in the heart of that, da- not downtown, but right in the heart of Hollywood. People are going to hear machine guns. Even the cop when he comes out of the convenience store, Al looks up and he sees gunfire up on the roof. But then he he claims that he didn't see anything. And that whole bromance was awful, just terrible. It never pays off in the end. And, of course, they they see each other, like, and there's this Gone with the Wind music, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we that's – I know that's Al, and I know that's McClane. Like, oh, come on, give me a break. There's 5,000 people. You just, you just fucking tied a, a, a fire hose around your waist and went halfway down the building and then smashed through a window, which that whole scene was – beyond stupid and and then you get down there and you're with your wife and you, and you oh yeah that must be the guy i was talking to i thought it was racist. terrible why did you assume he's the black guy? yeah <laughs> what did you expect mclean and 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 uh, al paldo just french kiss at the very end after al wastes the german guy hanging by his neck by chains Right. Well, that was that, I'll say that was a good payoff to his story. Yeah. But but if you wanted to make it more of a Christmas movie, yeah, I would have had the scene at the end where Al's over at their house with with McLean and his wife and his kids and maybe his family. And they're all having Christmas together that, you know, that might have been I mean, they went for the cheesy ending anyway, you know, that he gets. Of course, he gets the wife back. Like everything is so so predictable that, you know, 30 minutes in, you're like, I, I already know everything that's going to happen in here. It's going to end happy. He's going to take everyone out. Um, I like how the news instantly knew like who the terrorist was just because they heard the name Hans. <laughs> I didn't think of that Boy, That's good. Yeah. The, 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 the news anchor who, you know, they, they do the total parody of a himbo LA broadcaster with that guy. And then the woman's like, oh, we heard the name Hans, so it must be Hans Gruber. And they put the picture up in the news. It's like, you German terrorist. Like, no, you don't know who it is. Nobody knows. <laughs> the only Hans we know is Hans Gruber and Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen has been just as much of a suspect at that point. Yeah. Or Hans and Franz, a famous SNL sketch duo. <laughs> exactly and and he, and i love and then the whole plot of the movie changes that they, they came to steal 600 million plus and then and then it became about um releasing political prisoners out of nowhere it's like wait a minute what what happened to the other thing it was almost like 
How did he go from a white tank top to a black tank top and nobody says anything? No, no, no. He explains that, was- that. Yeah, he says, listen, he goes, I'm just saying that just to keep them busy. Like, I don't even know who these people are. I don't give a shit about them. But it was just kind of feeding to the terrorist narrative. They were just there for the money. That was just like a, a bullshit cover story. Well, answer from the tank top. I can't answer that. <laughs> How did the tank top go from white to black? It didn't go. It was all dirty. What was it? When was it black? I don't remember him having a black tank top. Halfway through, it, he, he's it's white in one scene, and then boom, and then instantly it's black. Just at, in the same scene. Really? I just knew it got super dirty and bloodier. I don't know. Yeah, I, no. I thought it just got bloodier and dirtier. German blood. And then, and then there's a funny, funny one where he says, uh, where, where Hans Gruber has the gun on him and he, and he goes, I'm going to count to three. And McLean goes, like you did with Takashi or whatever the guy's name was. He wasn't even in the room when that happened. How did he fucking know that? Oops. Wait, wait. Script wait. coordinator. Continuity. Anybody? Was he in Don't the room with the, what, no, what, no, no, was he on the walkie-talkie holding the walkie-talkie button down? When he did kill him, I forgot it, if that was the case. That's how I think. Oh, he- so so it was right at the exact time, of course. Yeah. The FBI agent was a joke. That head guy, you know, who who makes Ray Liotta look like a thirteen-year-old girl's complexion. He oh, was it, a, oh, was it? Oh, yeah. oh, Robert Davi, who looks like he had a track meet on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a bad parody of like a mafioso, you know. Positioned as as an FBI guy, just like Saigon, right? <laughs> yeah. He was also one of the Fratelli brothers in the Goonies. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. So the so the yeah. Italian bad guy motif has been carried on throughout the years. Also, the bad guy in the last Timothy Dalton Bond film, License to Kill. Wow, that's a he can, that's that a guy should part. only ever be. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kevin. He, that guy should only ever be. A, a, a criminal mastermind in any film or a mafioso right or a guy who looks like he fell asleep face down on a bed of nails those are the options <laughs> that, now that's a movie that's a movie yeah that's a movie i'd be into that's like the best jackass um, stuff that hasn't happened yet yeah and i like how i like how al and mclean like they they knew everything right to do but the but the FBI and the LAPD had no idea the right thing to do, you know. Right. But those two guys knew everything, and then the whole thing—the fire hose, sure, you know that's going to hold. He goes over the thing, the explosion, the helicopter, all while his foot's been bleeding for the last two hours. It didn't make him faint in the least bit. Yeah, what that's if he's fine. A, what if he's a hemophiliac? Then he's really fucked by Act Two. <laughs> <laughs> But he wasn't worried because he knew the limo had a first aid kit in the back. And there you go. That is my review of Die Hard, one of the worst movies ever made. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Don, wow. give, me a, give, give me your score, 1 to 10, Die Hard. What do you think? Zero. Wow. God, Kevin Israel had to get up and shut the door. That's so bad. My wife just fell down when she heard that. Oh, well. <laughs> Kevin, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I'd love to go first if you'll allow me. I will allow you. Please do I so. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. I'm going – now, I know this show isn't about KG and myself, but I am going to make this about a, a particular point that I've been making over the past at least 10 years. And Don, I guess, is going to call me a geek for making this point. 
But this is gonna be my one chance to make it publicly. So oh, I, I know feel it's like, coming already. <laughs> I feel I need to make it here. <laughs> Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And this is coming from an authority on Christmas, a Jew. <laughs> Die Hard is a movie that takes place during Christmas. It happens to be Christmas while this is all happening. It's not about Christmas. You need three things for it to be a Christmas movie. It needs to take place during Christmas. It needs to be about Christmas. And it needs to have a Christmas theme. Goodwill to men. Peace on earth. All that stuff. This takes place during Christmas. It's not about Christmas. And it doesn't have any... Unless killing uh, German terrorists is a theme of Christmas. It's not a... It's not uh, it doesn't have a Christmas theme. I, I have to interrupt for one second. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? I'd say Gremlins is closer to a Christmas movie for me, but I wouldn't. I don't think Gremlins is a Christmas movie either. Okay. I mean, it, it's a it's a movie that take again a, a movie that takes place during Christmas. Okay, just to see if you're consistent. I I am going to recite all of the Christmas mentions in this movie, and I'm able to do that because there's not that many. In the very beginning, the flight attendant says, "Merry Christmas." On the on the airplane, Christmas is Hol- Christmas and Hollis is playing in the limo. Yeah, McLean whistles jingle bells. Uh, when he gets into when he gets to the party, somebody says the really drunk guy kisses him and says Merry Christmas. Uh, the one the one cool Christmas reference is when he says Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! When he puts that on, that was a pretty badass moment. Not really a Christmas moment though. Christmas music is playing in the quickie mart that we where we first meet Al. Then Al is later uh, singing "Let It Snow." The black hacker does his twisted version of "Twas a Night Before Christmas." Hans, uh, towards the end, says, "It's Christmas, Theo. A time for miracles." Uh, when the when the vault finally opens, uh, I believe Hans said, "Merry Christmas." At the very end, when uh, when everything blows up. It starts snowing bearer bonds, which I thought was a kind of a cute nod to being Christmas and winter and whatever, but that was vague. And then the driver, uh, the Argyle says, Merry Christmas, and a movie ends with Let It Snow. That's the entire entirety of Christmas in this movie. No, There's... you missed one. What I missed? You missed one, and this is, and this is why you, you can tell shit must have got cut out of it because... Because they did have this opportunity to make it a Christmas movie, like I said, with this some kind of ending where he's at home with his family. Um, because the wife sets it almost sets it up in the beginning where she's talking to her daughter and she says, and the daughter says, "Is Daddy coming home?" And she says, Let, "Let's see what me and Santa can do." You forgot oh, the German right. the German terrorist had a Christmas hat on in the elevator where it did say "Ho ho ho!" Now I have a machine gun. Yes, okay, I forgot the hat and I missed I missed the Christmas. Yes, and I agree that had it ended with them all sitting around a Christmas tree drinking a festive bowl of punch, maybe that would have been closer. Eggnog. I know you're Jewish, but eggnog. Let's let's stay with the point here. <laughs> eggnog, right from the from the moose. Eating Chinese food. Let's be fair. Uh, From the moose, the good call. I love that. Good call. Al could have been. Al could have been Jewish. (laughs) So look, in in summation, this just isn't a Christmas movie. I know you people want to make this a Christmas movie because it seems funny and ironic, and it's a violent movie. But we'll make it. It's not. It's not a Christmas movie. Just stop it. Stop wearing your remember Nakatomi Plaza in '88 and Merry Christmas shirts. It's just. It's. It's stupid. You're obnoxious hipsters who probably weren't even alive when this movie came out. 
So go fuck yourself. From this Jew, it's not a Christmas movie. Hey, well done. <laughs> not, not only are you not a geek, that, that was that was amazing. Yeah. That was the if, if they had a monologue half that good in the movie, I would have given it one star at least. But as far as the movie itself goes, Kevin started this point off. Has anybody ever tested this this walking around barefoot on carpet theory about stress? I feel no. like they just completely made this up, and this has never been. I mean, I could understand if it was some kind of theory that existed out there. But it didn't even make sense because then he does it and he goes, huh, he's right. He's right about what? You're already there. It doesn't help with flying. You do it when you get I, the whole theory just made no sense to me. Ellis, as Don said, is a terrible character. Here's my only disagreement with Ellis, with Don. I don't know that he was bad acting as much as it was terrible character reading. The character was written. He was a douchebag. He's a douchebag cokehead. And he's a douchebag, rapey cokehead. So basically, he's <laughs> a dude from the 80s. Like, there's no... That's that's all you need to know about him. And then, like Don said, the whole scene with him going, Hans, Booby, that was bananas. I don't care how much of a cokeheaded douchebag you are. You're not going to sit there when there's all these very dangerous-looking men and just be so laid back about it. That was... Of, of all the parts in the movie, That's that's... I wish they just did without that. And they and then they tried to sort of make it sympathetic because he was kind of trying to help John out by saying, hey, no, we knew each other, right? So Because he didn't want to dime out John's wife. And it was like, but I still don't care about this guy. Like he wanted, they wanted to make his his murder, like you care about it. And then they when they when they kill him, you're like, ah, but he's a douchebag. I didn't, I just didn't care. Like they picked the wrong guy to have sacrifice himself. Yeah, and also like, if he was at, if he was a cokehead, like he was already coming down at that point, and he would have been crying about an old girlfriend or an old wife and <laughs> babbling on like a maniac. So he wouldn't have been all up and 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 jacked up at that point. He was he'd have been coming down and miserable by then. I think we they miss a casting opportunity with Don Jameson as Ellis here. It sounds like a lot of pretty autobiographical. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I've seen a lot on the road, yeah. the old comedy road. I've heard, I've heard. Yeah, and and the other thing about the uh, the crit, like you said, the, the, where he puts the um, he puts the 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 dead guy in the elevator and sends him down. Says now I got a machine gun. Like who would telegraph that there's somebody else in the building? Like the whole idea is to be quiet and and stealthily try to take each one of them out. You wouldn't do that. You don't know your. You don't know how many terrorists are down there. There could be five hundred terrorists down there. Why would you call attention that there's somebody else in the building? You just fucking sit and wait. You lie and wait. They come up to whatever floor you're on, and you pick. Don't them tell up them what weapons you have. Right. I'm pretty sure in Navy SEAL training, if somebody's like, "Hey, sir, I saw Die Hard. Is it cool if I tell the enemy that I have an AK-47?" They're probably not like, "Oh yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> Try that." Yeah, that yeah. works out. Send. And I like how. There's a send, send Muhammad's body back with a message written in Arabic. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have an AK-47. <laughs> Good plan. Thank you. I like how he, he knows how to use every single weapon and detonate. Like he knows every how to use everything. He's reloading clips the entire time. Where do all these clips come from? What do you have them in his back pocket? The thousand clips. They're shooting when there's not even action going on. It's like, wait. These guys, how much, how much ammo do these guys have? Like, hey, he's got to know. I only have one clip here. I can't just shoot up into the air randomly. He kept just stealing, constant he kept, shooting. He kept stealing their duffel bags. That's what makes that. 
That's what makes yeah, that, that was... quasi on the pat on the on the plane. But he ends up with just two bullets. That oh, lim- that limousine ended perfectly. That limousine is definitely still in service today. Probably driving some hammered guys around in Vegas as they get overpriced hand jobs, and it smells like fake strawberries. Is that a double? Is that, you're you're being repented, redundant. Excuse me. Hand jobs are all hand jobs are always overpriced, and any any price on a hand job is a waste. Okay, let's just call as we see it, guys. Like Don spoke from the cocaine story from experience. Kevin is speaking from experience. I've never paid for a hand. I've never paid for a hooker. Period. I've never. I'll never pay for a hand job. If I ever would pay for a hooker, it ain't for getting my getting jerked off because no one knows you like you. I've never paid for one. I just rip them off at the end. <laughs> I hate as 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 Kev knows. I hate feet. I hate yeah. feet, and that's why, as much as I love Quentin Tarantino, his movies always keep me out. This movie is a nightmare for me. The minute he takes his shoes off, I remember watching it for the first time, thinking, "Why is he taking his shoes off?" Which, and then when everything goes down and he runs out, like if that was me, the first I don't care what was happening. The first thing I do is put my shoes back on. I would never be running around barefoot. And then at the end. When he starts to have to pull the glass out of his feet, I would pass that. I would have been like, well, I'm not saving these people because I have glass in my feet and I'm not <laughs> touching the feet. So you're all fucked. Sorry. This place is going to blow up. I once I once uh, got a, a splinter in the back of my foot. It went through my Achilles tendon and it was it was like this long and I had to pull it out myself and I passed out in the shower and my buddy found me in the shower naked with blood dripping like out of my foot. He's like, what happened? I was like, had a splinter. <laughs> I, I think you're going to say, just got raped. Yeah. <laughs> just got raped, but something this big. That's way better ending there. Um, <laughs> and that was another thing that they could have done something kind of a little bit clever with. That was, that was such a point of the guy saying about what he should do with his feet when, when he gets off the plane. And then he does, does go do it. And then it's like, I'm waiting for that to, to come back again. Like, Maybe at the end of the movie, they're on their way back to, to New York together, one big happy family, and the guy sitting next to him is like, oh, my feet are killing me. He goes, hey, I know something for that. Like, that, that was, yeah. it was such a crowbarred in thing. I was ex- expecting that to come back, too. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Uh, I also love, in the 80s, you just had to say that the person was a hacker. And that's all you had to know about them. But just sit at a computer desk and go, we're in. You'd be like, all right, we're in. Whatever, whatever that means. I don't even know what in where. How does that work? What, is that, what does that even mean? And speaking of getting in, the Nakatomi Corporation is the most unsecure company on the face of the earth. First of all, they had $650 million in bearer bonds on premises. Who the fuck would do that? That's like cash. That's like having $650 million. It's better than cash because you could take it anywhere. That's insanity. I Nobody have a, would. Have... I have a question about that, that safe. Expl- bear bonds. All right. I'll let that slide. Why in the good goddamn blue blazes do they have samurai armor in that fucking same safe? <laughs> Why? Have they're Asian. No. Okay. <laughs> That's what, that's what they're saying. Where where was the fucking gong then? Because I was looking for that too. <laughs> it's off camera. <laughs> yeah. 
the it's it's absolutely insane that a company like this and they didn't they did no they have all these security guards they did no really if you ever saw the movie skyscraper skyscraper and i can't believe i'm referencing this movie dwayne johnson in that movie is a security expert and he goes to the building and his whole point there is to test if it's a safe building and it clearly as the movie happens it is not safe they would have had somebody like that do this at this building they would have had somebody run through all the possible protocols and it wouldn't be like oh yeah and if the power goes out within 12 blocks the safe opens what that's insane of course the power is going to go out at some point this they this guy deserved to get shot and he deserved to have a safe safe rob because that's just crazy that he kept that kind of money behind such an unsecure safe to so be able to be robbed by these knuckleheads. Speaking of these knuckleheads, Hans that's a great point, fired... Kevin. What's that? That's such a great point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I, you know, I analyzed everything in that movie. But you're right. It's like, hey, we're going to keep 650 million, you know, in the in the safe, and uh, we'll put the key under the front door. Right. 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 Don't look the there. Front mat. Nobody yeah. will look. <laughs> Yeah, you should see how much I have them under my mattress. My God, <laughs> Hans's Hans's crew has more big blonde German guys than Kevin Goatee's fraternity. <laughs> that that crew of misfits was the weirdest bunch of people. There was there was the there was the German guys. There was the random Asian guy who I think is the bad guy in almost every 80s movie. When Al Leong from Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, and right. He was a, and he was a, and a ton right. of those films we right. all love. And then they had the random black hacker. And if they, I just feel like all of these not, quasi-Nazi German guys wouldn't have been like, yeah, let's have the black guy do the important stuff. <laughs> There's no way that was happening. And speaking of Hans, and I love, I, I love Alan Rickman. What was that accent he was doing? It wasn't quite German. It wasn't really Eastern European. Sometimes it was kind of British. I get this was his first movie, but they should have just made him British. They shouldn't have made him do that crack-ass accent that changes throughout the movie because he's an awesome bad guy. I love, I mean, everybody loves Hans Gruber. He's a great bad guy, and he's such a quintessential 80s bad guy, but that accent just made no sense. And it's not like they gave you a bunch of background on this team anyhow, this crew of terrorists where it was like, oh, he has to be German. He could have been anything. Like, really, he was just a bank robber. And the, the accent just evolves throughout the movie into f- further from being German. Um, the, oh, the <laughs> so, the, so you had the principal, you've had the principal from the Breakfast Club. You had the EPA regulator from <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right. Yep. And you had uh, family, the, the cop from Family Matters. And all three of those actors were playing the exact same characters that they always do. Uh, Paul, Paul, well, it's William, William Atherton, Atherton was, yeah. was the EPA guy, was dickless in, in Ghostbusters. He's the exact same character. Literally the exact same character. Also in Real Genius, which was a real piece of shit. Saw that for the first oh, time. Wow. I saw, wow. It for the, saw it for the first time a few weeks ago, and it is fucking awful. Continue. Carl Kilmer, right? Yeah, terrible. Yeah. And then Paul Gleason is the principal from Breakfast Club. He's the exact same. Like, I feel like the principal from Breakfast Club moonlights as the deputy police chief in L.A. And then Reginald Vell Johnson. I mean, this joke's been just made ad infinitum, but he's the exact same cop. Like, he, I think they even use the same outfit when they, when they started to make Family Matters. They were like, oh, you have a police uniform? He's like, yeah, it was a diehard. They're like, you got the part. Good for you. 
That's that's all we needed to know. You forgot though, and I rewatched this recently. Otherwise, I never would remember that he was also the limo driver in Crocodile Dundee. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. That is that's yeah. deep. So I love you know, watching. A, uh, so as I say, from one blue collar job to another. Right, right. He's always a salt of the earth fella. He sure is. I love watching '80s movies because it reminds you that smoking looked cool at one time. Like Bruce Willis just pulls out a cigarette. He's like, "You smoke," and he just starts smoking. You're like, "Ah, that's that's what made a man just having a cigarette." Now, if now if they make a movie with somebody having a cigarette, there's got to be the, a, a social warning on it. You've got to have a <laughs> time at the end of it in case an surgeon general has got to come out and explain why smoking is bad, and then it's going to get banned, and it's going to be it's going to be like a triple X movie because. Three people shared a cigarette in one scene. TV MA fourteen smoking. <laughs> what a push favorite, and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I I saved this for my comments. I I should have brought it. Should have said it during the quotes. My favorite quote in this movie, and I just picked up on it on this watch, is when uh, when John is fighting one of the two blonde brothers, and they're they're wrestling around. He goes, "I'll kill you." I'll fucking cook you and I'll eat you. <laughs> Listen to it. It's at the very end. It's his last fight with the with the big blonde guy that he ends up hanging while they're going down the stairway. He goes, I'll, I'll kill you. I'll cook you and I'll fucking eat you. I, I I played it back to make sure that I heard that because I was like, was that in the script? Was it was that just Bruce Willis improving? Yeah. Or as I like to call that foreplay. Right. Was that you sure this was an army hammers role? <laughs> no, because army hammers not getting any more roles. No. Sure. Last, prison bitch number one. Hey oh. Oh boy. He's gonna have that role at for he, life. At least he doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be traded for a pack of cigarettes in jail. That I promise yeah. you. And last but not least, the limo driver punching out the hacker was just a little more believable than Will Smith punching out the alien in Independence Day. <laughs> like, he comes in and just like barely hits him and the guy's out. And they, I, feel like, I feel like that actor, Ar- who's Argyle, was somebody, like a producer's son or something, and they were like, just let the kid knock somebody out. Like, he's got to do something. And they're like, all right, we'll just do this at the end. You're totally but, right. He l- completely Lamar Luttrelled him. Yes. <laughs> His limp wristed throwing stuff. Attaboy. <laughs> so all that said, though, I I, I do have a, an infinity for, for Die Hard. I don't love it as much as some people love it. I don't think I love it as much as Goatee loves it. But I do think it's a great movie. On rewatch this time, it did slow down a little bit. But I will, I will credit that to this podcast just ruining me for when I watch movies because I'm trying to be analytical. So <laughs> yeah. it's not as much fun. And I'm trying to find stuff to, to say. So it's it's still it's still it's still a great action movie. I I Don made a lot of good points, but I also think it was an '80s action movie. It was almost at the you know it was it was sort of in the midst of this genre in the '80s. So there was as cliche as everything looks now. I think it was it wasn't as cliche at the time. And for and for me and I know for Kevin and you know I think Don's within our age range. That it's it's almost nice to watch those movies and go, yeah, the movies were so simple. Like it was just a guy in a building with a gun. Like they didn't need somebody coming from another universe to take over the world or transform it. Like it was just a guy with a gun and some cigarettes 
and his bare ass feet running around shooting Nazis. Like it was, it's just, it's just simple. <laughs> and it's, and it's a, and, and it's a, it's a rewatchable movie. There, it's uh, I, I hate to steal Kevin's glory, but it's, it, that, for me, this movie does pass the remote test, which as we've said many times before, the remote test is if a movie comes on and you're not doing anything, you just say, well, I'm going to watch this movie, or I'm at least going to watch this one scene. Cause I know I like the scene. And for me, this movie is this movie is just a compilation of fun scenes. So I I, I like this movie. I, I I don't I'm not I, I I won't die on a hill for it, but I do like it. Uh, for me, it's a six and a half. Wow, shocking to hear that. That's nice. Yes. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. <laughs> Come on every day, every week, you see a new piece of content from Kevin and myself. Every day, Monday through Friday, new blog articles. Don't forget, we're on Patreon now, patreon.com slash guttingthesacredcow. And last but not least, all of our new fans and old fans, if you have not yet done so, for the love of Christ, please leave us a five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. But the most important thing you can do is tell a fucking friend about how cool and how funny this podcast is. And better, better than any other dickbag podcast about movies there is out there, Kevin, because no one better than us at this, right? Nope. We're it. Notes. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, just, let's just, just, just remind people where we are before you uh, give your monologue. Well, we did, we'll, a, we'll, we'll do that in the end, but why not? Since you brought a it six, up, a, a six and a half uh-huh. and zero. a zero. Okay. So we're at about we're at about a rating of a three and a quarter, if uh-huh. my math is correct. It is. So this is this is up to you to get it somewhere remotely as a watchable film. And go on the mathematician, Jameson. Thanks, John Nash. I'll do my notes now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this film is. Smoking in an airport, old. I put that in quotes. (laughs) That's how old this film is. Is Holly teasing that she's open for office hanky-panky? Hear me out. She shuts down Ellis, but has her family photo face down in the office. That means she's down to fuck with to a degree. Am I right? And Ellis... (laughs) Go ahead, John. You're about to say something. Well, that's a whole big theme of it, which is like, you know... Like, they're basically separated, probably getting divorced. You know, she thinks he's, you know, a, basically a dirtbag. But while he's up in on the 30th floor, she's, like, totally confident that he's going to save the day. All of a sudden, he's the greatest guy in the world. Two minutes before, she's ready to snort coke off of Ellis's dick <laughs> and divorce her husband, the deadbeat husband, the cop in New York. Then all of a sudden, he's a superhero. Only John can make someone that mad. Oh, that's right. That should be the that should be their, that should be their Christmas card. Goddamn, Ellis is a fucking asshole. But let's admire the balls in this son of a bitch. He asked to make sex in her office during a Christmas party and does coke on a co-worker's desk. Pure balls. And then he calls his boss, Joseph Takagi, <laughs> Jojo. What a level of balls we should all aspire for, even for us three alpha males. That's insane. Fuck you attitude, which, of course, does him in later on. 
Hey, Kev, you know when you're the top salesman, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> There's a guy in our company, very quick story, our, our day job. This guy is from the fucking shitty southern state like Alabama or whatever. The fucking guy rolls in wearing like shitty plaid, button down, not plaid, like I don't know, like, like hillbilly like shirts. And I go to my boss, I go, what the fuck is going on? This guy just, just dressed up and he gets shot of a Walmart can. She goes, President's Club. I go, all right, I get it. <laughs> so I mean, he, is it, does, does, he, does he call you Kev Kev? <laughs> no, I don't. I, first of all, his name is Shannon, and I don't acknowledge guys. Oh, who have gir- no. And I don't acknowledge guys who have girls' first names. Thank you. Just like people named Blair and Blaine. Is it, is it spelled with Shannon with a G, like that ridiculous way? No. Shagnon. <laughs> He's not Irish. Let's not go that far. Yeah. Call him Seamus. Argyle is probably the most annoying Uber driver who has a 1.75 star rating. <laughs> Hans Gruber, easily on the Mount Rushmore of villains in the 80s. Darth Vader, Molaram, Hans Gruber, and I'm open to the fourth, but I'm going to throw one out there. You ready? Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop. I mean, you know where my where I'm going to go. I don't actually. Gozer. Oh, eh. All right. Boddicker more charismatic, but okay. Everyone uh, has their opinions. I did not appreciate seeing a lot of my countrymen killed. Fuck this film. No. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I know you did. I know you did. Wouldn't you think to immediately put your shoes on before chasing all willy-nilly after bad guys? I know I would, but I guess I'm not a loose enough cannon to do that. <laughs> because I would say, guys, there is time for backup. <laughs> do you think people who... <laughs> Thanks, John. Do you think people who saw this film the first time said, hey, that's the guy from the Die Hard Battery commercial? God. so sad why <laughs> isn't that sad? i know it's like jesus christ bruce i think i think bruce willis must have mumbled that during the movie at some point yeah why start wrestling with the one german guy when you have your gun pointed squarely at his head like nah this is too easy throw that away what the fuck was that like no i'm like no that doesn't happen that doesn't happen as it makes our segment next. Kevin, we're leaving money on the table by not having a ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun shirt or a Christmas sweater with a gutting the sacred cow logo on it. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, Well, we can update that. We can rectify that. How did you two not stump? I was worried when Kevin went before me, but I'm very surprised you didn't, you didn't fire this gym out. It is impossible not to yell out Carl when you see Al Powell every time on screen. I know I did a lot. One of my favorite things to do while watching films is, well, are noticing the price tags on certain items, what movies were playing while the, the movie shot, what movies see on a theater on the marquee in the background at the time that that movie was filmed, or what gas cost at the time of filming. For example, in 1987, when this was filmed, gas was 74 cents a gallon. Because you see that when he walks out of the Quickie Mart at the gas station. And I go, holy shit. The good old days. William Atherton and Billy Zabka cornered the asshole market in the 80s films. Cole from Bachelor Party tried to edge his way in, but got forced out. 
Where do a bunch of German terrorists find a nerdy black guy wearing a cable sweater pre-Craigslist? I ask you. That's great. Great point. And it, the other, the other, the other funny thing about that is like they're 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 pumping Mr. Nakataki or whatever his name was for the code. We need the code. We need the code. It was a whole plan to get the code, and then they just shoot him. And go well, you could hack it anyway, so we don't need it. Yeah. Ellis looks like the lead rapist in a UCB troop. <laughs> I got That's a great line. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Alan Rickman is fucking great. I loved when he just flip flopped and went all Bill Clay on him and played the role of a, of a hostage for a few minutes. That whole repartee, I thought I loved it. He did pull off a good American accent, too. I listened very closely. Tying a fire hose around your waist and jumping down five floors or so, wouldn't that break your back when the when the line goes taut and snaps? Wouldn't that just snap your back in two? I don't know. I'm just an A&P major, I guess. No, no. In, in 88, they used to make fire hoses out of bungee cord. <laughs> he should spring back up like Wile E. Coyote. Was it made of Acme? Was it an acne hose? Yes. <laughs> acne fire hose. Oh, my God. I never knew skyscraper glass would shatter with one simple but solid barefooted kick. Yes. Didn't he shoot it? Sometime. I don't know if he did just shoot the first, the, the last time uh, when he was chasing after Holly McClain. If anything, this film is a huge testimony for how strong Rolex watches are strong yeah. enough for a terrorist to hold on to. Fuck, <laughs> fuck that gorilla glue, gorilla glue in a hair or crazy glue on top of the construction helmet business. This is the real shit. And by the way, that's a great point. If he was actually, and I, if he was holding on to her, so he, the point was that he was actually holding on to her watch, not her wrist. Right. If he was holding on and hanging all of his what, 180, 190 pounds from that watch. It would have been digging her, the, the flesh of her hands off. Yeah. And she wouldn't have had any skin left on her hand. From It would have peeled off like a glove. Yeah. Yeah. It's like wrapping piano wire around someone as, yeah. as gravity's pulling them down the force. Yeah. Agree. The end where Carl some, somehow extricates himself while hanging by his neck in chains. How do you guys not talk about this? Is beyond the confines of acceptability. Just so Carl Winslow gets over his fear of using the gun is this film's biggest flaw, which even mm. I cannot overlook. This film does not have a huge 80s feel to it where it is dated, which is why this film will always be evergreen and a true American classic always have been always will be <laughs> this film passes the remote test lying colors shame on you for your smear Don campaign Don Jameson this film is fantastic although I will give you credit with something that not many people have done in this podcast you have now forced me to change my score where I was going to give it a nine to an eight and a half now. To an eight and a half. For some of those, this film is still, this film is fucking perfect. Everyone I talk to, everyone go, he's out of his mind trying to take down Die Hard. Your attempt to try and take a run at the castle was, let's just say, detoured. I think this film is great. This is the quintessential action film. This is the film that made action films where they are now. I love Terminator 1 and 2. I love Schwarzenegger mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s. 
But this is on the this is the fucking pantheon is Die Hard One. Die Hard Two is a flaming piece of shit. Die Hard Three rebounds nicely. Die Hard Four, not that bad. And we're not gonna talk about Die Hard Five and that does not exist like Indiana Jones Four. I love this film, eight and a half. Listen, I get I get that this this was done in a different time. It was done in the eighties and all that. I get that. And I, I allowed for that when I rewatched it. But uh, but I still like you know I still like Terminator and, and and Predator and all that all that stuff from the same time period. So to me it's it's not about oh it's it's dated or any of that stuff. It just sucked. I uh, respectfully disagree, but uh, that's nice. But let's add up. The, let's add up the numbers and see eight, if it sucked or not. Eight, eight, eight and a half, six and a half, which makes that fifteen, and then a zero. So divide by three is a five. Oh. Right? That's the math. Oh, Jesus H. fucking Christ. Critics, five-star reviews. This picture is extremely violent. Bombs go off, bullets rip through flesh, heads are slammed against steel. But Die Hard is also smart, satirical, and in an odd way, heartwarming. A masterpiece of populist filmmaking. I'll allow for the douchiness to settle in, boys. It's a glorious scene stealer for Alan Rickman, though it's a credit to Willis's cheeky charisma that his scene is not, in fact, stolen. Critics, Critics one-star one reviews. reviews. As a grand flourish of cinematic technique, it is awesome. As a human drama, it is disgusting and silly. A mindless depiction of carnage on an epic scale. Most of the action is run-of-the-mill Hollywood blood and thunder, but a couple of scenes are unusually reprehensible. I would love examples on what is so reprehensible. In the first half, director John McTiernan's movie, Bruce, Bruce Willis wears an undershirt. In the second half, he gets rid of it. And that's pretty much it for his performance. <laughs> Inappropriate. <laughs> Inappropriate and wrong-headed interruptions reveal the fragile nature of this plot and prevent it from working. And that review is done by Roger Ebert. And I think that cancer spread to his fucking brain. How about that, fellas? <laughs> wow, jeez. Ah. <laughs> Not soon enough. Fuck him. <laughs> it gets your heart pounding, then makes you hate yourself for it. No, it does not. Well, like, Next. like, like jerking what? off in public? Yeah. <laughs> PB yeah. Herman rebounded nicely from that. I don't know if that applies anymore. Amazon five-star reviews. My wife and I watch this every year on Christmas Eve because this is a Christmas movie, and anyone who has told you otherwise is lying to you. Kimmy's address. This one's long. This one's the next two are a little bit lengthy, but trust me, fucking worth it. As a forty-year-old woman, I am embarrassed to admit that this was the first time that I've ever watched Die Hard. In my defense, when it was released in the theater, I was in elementary school and too young to see it. I recently binge-watched six seasons of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, my favorite sitcom right now, and thought to myself, "Well, if Jake Peralta <laughs> keeps raving about Die Hard, it must be pretty good." That was an understatement. This movie was amazing. I'm going to watch it every December for the rest of my life. With "It's a Wonderful Life," "White Christmas," and "Elf." Also, I saw there are five Die Hards total. Talk about the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I got to tell you, when we started watch, when I started watching this the other day, 
my wife's like, I don't think I've ever seen this all the way through. I was like, holy shit. Wow. Be kidding me. She's like, I didn't I didn't realize he didn't have any shoes in the movie. She's like, now I know why you yell yippee ki motherfucker, every time you come. <laughs> uh, my wife did not see Shawshank until like 10 years ago. And I go, stop. And I immediately threw the DVD in the player and go, right now. And we watch. And she goes, you're right. That was fucking amazing. And, now and his she, wife was like, Kevin, we're at my dad's funeral. <laughs> you're not right now. <laughs> Uh, Mike is still alive and kicking. Thank you very much. No. The item was purchased and delivered on time and in good condition as everything I had expected and the product of it was of great quality. Many thanks to the seller. Unfortunately, Amazon has joined giant tech, in quotes, in cancel culture or call out culture, in parentheses, a modern form of ostracism in which conservative conservative Americans are being thrust out of social or professional circles, either online or on social media in the real world or both. Given that, I will no longer purchase nor receive any more products through Amazon. This company is a disgrace to American values this person easily has 13 bumper stickers on their car and ends a lot of sentences with it is what it is or (laughs) or i'm just saying (laughs) to be fair that's great thank you so this came on after christmas story so i let the kids (laughs) so i let the kids watch it next thing i know i'm telling my seven-year-old it's time for bed he shoots me in the head with the Nerf gun and says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. I can't wait for that kid to go back never to- Never happened. Yeah, yeah, never yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. That, that never fucking happened. Happen. <laughs> I can't, he goes, I can't wait for him to go back to the little player's daycare and spread that word, spread that one around. Just counting the days until we get kicked out of another daycare or until he, loses, or until he loses custody again, right? Thanks for nothing, Bruce Willis. Just saying. <laughs> Call back Amazon, Amazon one-star reviews. reviews. Die Hard is so overrated. I can't put it into words. Okay, then let's try sign language, and how would you put it then? Well, well. <laughs> not a Christmas movie. Signed, Kevin Israel. <laughs> I didn't order this product, and also National Lampoon. My question is, I have so many questions about this review. Which National Lampoon? Christmas Vacation? Vegas Vacation? Loaded Weapon? Which one? (laughs) Next one, Dated and Pathetic. Next one. I don't know how this made the top of so many Christmas movies. Watching scores of people being shot to death in a high-rise isn't my idea of a Christmas movie unless you're a psychopath. On top of that, it's boring. I stopped watching before the end. There are just so many ways this old film can kill a bad guy, and then it's just a broken record of fake death. Mm -hmm. I had high hopes for this movie. However, I was so bored. Yes, even with the attractive Bruce Willis on the screen, that I stopped watching it after half an hour. I decided to watch, finish watching it the next day since I already paid to rent it. I gave it 20 more minutes and just couldn't justify my time watching it. I shut it off and said, the heck with it. Wish I could get my money back. Signed, Demi Moore. <laughs> I just, thank you. I just wish Netflix would have a bitter, better Film selection. I am so sick and tired of going through the same and same over and over horrible collection. 
I'm I am contemplating to drop my membership next month. I rate your service half a star. Can you at least add some new films? It would be appreciated. Signed, Zilda Da Costa. It's like fuck pressing zero for customer service. I'm going to pick a beloved film and spew my diatribe at its review section. <laughs> well, you got you got I got to, you know, I got to agree with her on that. There's only what 12 million films on Netflix. Yeah. I agree but with It's just not enough of a selection. Yeah, it's <laughs> Die Hard sucks Cheswick. How do you read that? Is that Die Hard sucks? Sign Cheswick or Die Hard Sucks Cheswick, which is slang for a dick. I don't know. I'm going to have to put this out to, uh, to a vote online. And speaking to our... what it thing. is. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, they said it. Here's what it is. It is what it is. Even better. I agree with Duh Hard. D-U-H Hard. Oh, we've got ourselves a cunning linguist pun fan here. <laughs> First, the positive. Bruce Willis is very nice eye candy. Meow. But in addition to it being too long. <laughs> but in addition to it being too long, it has many, it has too many characters. It's so predictable, it tries too hard. And as a result, it's laughable. It reminded me, how many characters do you have to keep focus of? Three and a bunch of no-name bad guys? Is that that fucking hard to keep fucking count, people? Jesus. It's so predictable, it tries too hard, and as a result, it's laughable. It reminded me of The Towering Inferno. I fell asleep watching it. Too many characters. Do they want two or three, like Max, like Castaway, Wilson, and the volleyball, and then maybe a little Helen Hunt, for all time's sake? Volleyball would have better acting chops. I knew that was coming. I I think of The Towering Inferno because it's in a building. Like every movie that's in a building reminds me of The Towering Inferno. Yeah, but I'd say, well, this, this is how important Die Hard is because every single fucking pitch in the world, every action movie starts off with, it's Die Hard on a blah, blah, blah. Die, die, hard, hard, on die hard on a bus. Die Hard on a boat. Die Hard in a, uh, you name it, you know, daycare, which was Daddy Daycare, the real name of it. Kevin Israel, the Don Jameson got the sacred cow. Listen, while I am not as as exuberant about this movie as as Kevin Goatee is, uh, I still do like it. I still think it it holds an important place in movie history. Don made a lot of uh, a lot of great points, but I don't. I think this movie is just too big for. I don't think it's too big for almost anyone to gut. Yes, I I I just I think this is one of those movies that Kev said that that set off a genre that people look to as 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 the as kind of the pinnacle of this is what we want to achieve. It's the alpha. Uh, so he. He really put a beat down on this cow, but he didn't quite gut it. Right. Sorry, Don. Yeah, no fatality. You did put it. Listen, you gave you pumped it full of a few bullets, but then just like the T one thousand, he just shit him out and came right back at you, and then, put, <laughs> and then put a long blade through your mouth as you're drinking from a quart of milk. Well, that's what I did about thirty minutes into Die Hard. So, <laughs> Makes honey, sense. Wolfie's fine. Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's fine. <laughs> I'd rather watch Kevin Israel. I'd rather pull a, a a sliver out of Kevin Israel's foot as he lays naked in the shower than watch that movie ever again. I'd pay for that. What's that, Rod? <laughs> and then put your sliver inside of Kevin Israel in the shower. No, it's more than a sliver. Meow. <laughs> John James, John, you, you've been all, you, John, you've been an amazing guest. Absolutely love you. You have an open invite on this podcast, but we want to hear the folks at home want to hear what you're up to, where we can find you. So plug away, sir. 
I'm all over, you know, I'm on the socials there, the, the Twitter, the Instagram. It's Don Jameson, J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. In all seriousness, you know, a lot of this is obviously entertainment value and, you know, it's fun to scream and yell and, and make fun of these movies. But I hope it, I hope people get, you know, the spirit of it is just so we can entertain people. And uh, a lot of people are fucking depressed now and locked down. So hopefully we got some, a little bit of entertainment out of this. And uh, I had a lot of fun, man. So thank you guys. Oh, man, yeah, man. Awesome. Thanks, Don. Kevin is real. Oh, and then Don, don't forget, you can find him on Compound Media every Tuesday at what time? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tuesdays at 1230 um, on Compound Media. It's called That Jameson Show. So join me over there if you can. Right on. Kevin Israel, how about yourself? What are you up to? Uh, KevinIsrael.com. Comedy trickles in by bits and drags. I have. Uh, I just booked, uh, I'm going back to Foxwoods on March 20th, so I'll be there. Um, and, you know, little stuff comes in. So check my website, check my calendar, and then on social media. And you can get my, uh, my album, uh, The Struggle is Real, on iTunes and everywhere else you get stuff. KevinGoatee.com, for what I don't know. But guttingthesacredcow.com. More importantly, every day, like I had said, Monday through Friday, new content pieces for that. And, of course, GTSC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. We're on TikTok. No, we're not flossing. We're 40-year-old-plus white guys. We don't do that shit. Thank you very much. But, listen, Gutting the Sacred Cow, reviews, we need them. Keep them coming. But, more importantly, keep telling your fans and friends, your family, fans and friends, your your family and friends about how awesome we are. We really appreciate for all of you who have done so far. We can't thank you enough. Don Jameson, you're, you're a fucking master at this, man, and uh, we love having you. And, again, we can't wait to have you again in the very near future. So, thanks again for coming on. And uh, that'll do it for us here Gutting the Sacred Cow. We will see you next time. Take care. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.